0: Today is Wednesday, August 19, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We have a lot of stuff on the docket today. I have a page full of notes. We have charts. We have numbers. Let's get rolling. Let's start out with the big picture. What we like to do is talk about the first thing, two or three that jump off the page on the daily chart. So what is that? A number one is we're in an uptrend. So technically speaking, there's nothing wrong with the chart. The spiders were down $1.37 today. It's nothing other than a down day. Less than one half of 1%. No big deal. Maybe, just maybe, we had turnaround Tuesday on Wednesday this week. That is possible. Speaking of turnaround, we also have to notice that we pretty much finished near the lows of the day. So therefore, maybe there's more downside coming into tomorrow, meaning Thursday. That's possible. We're going to talk about numbers. But first, let's talk about where the market actually went today on the north side. What was the resistance today and why? Well, if we move the chart over, we'll see that the high today happened to be 339.61. Now, the only other number of importance that we really knew about up here was 33908, which was the former or previous high. So what's the significance of the number that reached today to become the new high? For that, we have to look at a different chart. Here we have the ES September contract. This is the S&P E-mini Futures September contract. So today's high, we'll move this over so everybody can see it. Today's high was 3395.75. Not quite all the way home. However, we do have a number up here that did have some significance. We looked at this one before. Here's the weekly chart. The high, the all time high in the September basis contract is 33.96.50. So they came close today. The high was 33.95.75. Now, here's the question go back to the SPY chart, but here's the question. Are they going to leave the all-time highs alone by a few ticks? Or are they going to do it later on after pulling back a little bit? Remember yesterday on Tuesday, they went up on the SPY. They came within one penny of the high of 33908. And then they backed off and then they went back and did it later. So the same thing could be going on here in the futures. We don't know for sure one way or the other. What we do know is that they pulled back today, they almost got to the actual high in the futures, they did make a new high in the SPY, and they've pulled back. So in terms of the SPY alone, they made a new high yesterday, they pulled back today. On one hand, that's normal garden variety market behavior. On the other hand, a retest of the highs could be all there is. We have to be aware of that. What about the south side? What happens if we wake up red on Thursday? They're trading lower. Where are they going? Well, here's an hourly chart. And before we discuss where they might be going on Thursday, let's first identify exactly what the 338 and a quarter and 33720 represent. So from an intraday perspective, let's go through this a little bit. This is really focused for inside the numbers members. 3.38 and a quarter was important from an hourly closing basis. Above, they were okay. Below, they were not. We'll get to the notes from inside the numbers and you'll see this stuff reiterated. But I want to point a couple of things out. When the market started to fall in the afternoon, and this was post-Fed minutes. We had the phony Fed minutes released at 2 o'clock. Perfect excuse to sell the market if they were going to sell the market. Inside the numbers members were informed before the minutes were released that minutes or phony minutes were being released so we don't know whether there's going to be any fanfare around the minutes we don't know whether the market's going to move a lot around the minutes it could be viewed like an earnings announcement like a regular Fed announcement you never know trading 101 is When there is some kind of an economic release or something of that nature, we want to be careful. We don't necessarily want to be in an intraday position around an announcement. Could work in our favor, we could get lucky, or you could issue a pie in the face. So we just have to be careful in and around those type of announcements. 338.25. You can see here on a shorter term chart, when they came down into and around that number, They did fight it for a while, but once they gave up that number, the door was then ajar. The door was open for 337.20 all the way down to 336.61, I believe is the number that was listed inside the numbers. Where does that come from? Well, let's go back to an hourly chart. What's the low of the breakup candle? 336.61. So 337.20 down to 336.61 was listed as an area of likely support. It was, of course, at the end of the day, so you're running out of runway in terms of the market closing up at 4 o'clock, but you can see what was going on down here at the end of the day. The market was, in fact, finding support. Here's an hourly chart once again. What do we say about breakup candles and breakdown candles? Well, in the term... For case of a breakup candle, in this case, the low was 3.36.61. And what we always say is, on the first run, markets love to test lows of breakup candles and highs of breakdown candles. More often than not, you're going to get some kind of a reaction in the other direction once that area was tested. Sometimes they come up short. Sometimes they spike it through. Sometimes they hit it on the button. You never know which one they're going to do when, but the concept is the same. Again, we just ran out of runway at the end of the day. This also kind of is linked together with some Stocks on the Move stuff. I always say stocks are headed to a destination. Well, guess what? The Spider, the cues, the IWM, everything is always headed to a destination at some point in time. Can we always identify exactly what that destination is? Sometimes we can, sometimes we can't, but in the case of a breakup candle low, as they begin to head for that destination, we can see the destination more often than not a mile away. Case in point, here's a 237 post, we'll look at the rest of this in a minute, but the 237 post was the hourly close was below the spot, the spot being 338 and a quarter, now they're struggling, see how that works? They can get back above and run a rescue operation, which they did try and do. At present, the next support is down at 337.20 to 336.61. 337 give or take. It's also the line in the sand. No hourly closes below 337 or 335 is on the table. Here's a five minute chart. Let's put in perspective when that was posted somewhere in this neighborhood this vertical line represents that time frame so you can see they were hovering around 338 and a quarter they tried a rescue operation but if 338 and a quarter failed 33720 down to 33661 in that neighborhood was on the table so there's two things that a trader could do with that information so one trade is you can trade the market down to 337 or lower around that 337 area give or take not easy they play games with 338 and a quarter but that was one thing you know if 338 and a quarter fails on hourly closes that's trouble that's item number one item number two another way is traders could be waiting for the 337 give or take and try and take a long scalp trade from that area could have turned into something more if you didn't run out of runway at the end of the day They basically ran out the clock. Let's check out the rest of the commentary. We'll take a look at stocks on the move. And then I have a pretty neat comparison with the S&P 500 today. Early in the morning, the pre-market stuff, what's going on? What was going on was they were angling to get to the highs. 33.96.50 was the futures high. They came up a few ticks short, but that was what they were trying to do. Above that, we know about the big fat round numbers. They didn't get there today, doesn't mean it's off the table, they just didn't do it today. Let's see what else we got. Early thoughts, same routine, they're angling higher, we have an area of interest if they ran an early shakeout operation, 3.38 and a quarter. Sound familiar? 3.38 and a quarter was on the board before the opening bell. And here you go, down below, 3.37, same 3.37 from the afternoon. Know thy numbers. Moving right along, as the market opened, the S and P was basically just floating around. They were angling, they were creeping. There wasn't a lot going on. They were trying to get to the next spot, which was the futures high at 33.96 and a half. Moving right along. That was pretty much the theme of the morning until the market woke up and the market didn't wake up until the phony Fed minutes were released. Everything was bullish. You had the transports up. The financials were up. The IWM was up. Everything that we needed to be up was up. There you go at 11.40 on the way to the next objective, thirty three ninety six fifty. Whether they play games like yesterday or not is irrelevant. There are more targets. SPY 340 or higher. Those are still on the table. Garden variety stuff. They'll pull back. They chop around. And at the time, the transports, financials, IWM, all leading the way. It's bullish on its face. That's the duck. And we say this all the time. We don't anticipate a change in character, a change in trend, a change in a stock, a change in the market. We react to a change taking place or something we can identify When everything looks like a duck, it walks like a duck, it talks like a duck, most of the time, it's a duck. Moving right along. There you go at 1 p.m., word has it, there's a release of the phony Fed Minutes this afternoon, probably around 2 p.m. Not sure if there will be any fanfare to go along with it, but certainly an awareness. Moving right along. 2.15, there's your fanfare post-Fed Minutes. Same support, no change. 338 and a quarter, then 337 if they kill it. This is your tour guide of the market. If you're active in the market at all during the trading day, it behooves you to check out the notes, go back to the charts, see what happened, see if having a tour guide with numbers throughout the trading day would be beneficial to you. Here you go at 224 after the spike below closing hourly, and this would be at 230. Above 338 and a quarter would be running a test and in the bull camp, closing hourly below opens the door to 337, give or take. Hourly chart. Let's move this over to make sure everybody can see everything. This is the 1430 candle, candle ending 1430. In English, that's 230 in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time. Closing price, 338.16. Rest is in the books. Moving right along, you saw the 337 post below the spot. They try a recovery operation or a rescue operation, know the next number 338.60. If they can't get above that, no dice. Then, as they go out into the end of the day, 3 p.m., on anything goes above 338 and a quarter, and they're good below, they're not that simple. That was our afternoon pivot. Stocks on the move, let's check out. Out of the seven opportunities on the board pre-market today, we had three that hit their target, a couple that jumped their target, and a couple that never happened. Let's take a look at some charts. The first one on the board was Anglo Gold. Getting its haircut at the open. And by the way, gold got absolutely hammered today. And we're going to get back to that. But here's what happened with this one. So the number was 2832. They came close... They basically ate time off the clock, above the number, tried to rally a little bit. When they came back into the number in the afternoon, you don't want that trade anymore. That trade is now mush. Doesn't count off the table. It's a no trade. If you're painting by the numbers, this is absolutely a no trade. How about TJX? This was interesting. If you're painting by the numbers, this was a whopper. This was a great rocket ride real quick. Doesn't look like it on this chart. Let me explain what happened. It's better visualized than explained on a one-minute chart. Check this out. So TJX, the first number was 5409. So guess what? The opening price was 5401. So we discard 5409 and we only look to 5355. If the stock opens below a number, we look to the next number. It's the same every time. The rules never change. That's the way it works. So... Therefore, if you're painting by the numbers, you're in at 53.55 or lower if you wait to go lower. And then just a minute or two later, you get a bounce up a buck and a quarter. Then as the day went on, you can see what happened. The stock TJX ended up just grinding higher above the numbers. And the takeaway from that is this general price zone was in fact the number, the support. Next up, Ross Stores, R-O-S-T. Pretty garden variety, cut and dry. Getting a buzz cut at the open, 89.45 was the number on the board. Spiked it through by a little bit, found stability, ended up trading a little bit higher. Gave you everything you wanted in terms of a base hit. Some go on rocket rides, some end up to be base hits. We get doubles, triples, we get the whole gamut. We also get pies in the face. That's part of the business. We do have to eat an occasional shit burger. Cree was pretty much a dud traded through the first number if you painted by the numbers it was basically a scratch you can see here in between the two numbers is where the stock basically gave you a scratch I took a scratch today I think I made a total of $17.50 it's okay I'd rather make something on a scratch out or just scratch out rather than taking a loss before we move on to other markets, I said we were going to discuss where would they actually be going if, in fact, we wake up red on Thursday, they're selling the market. Where's a spot of interest? How about an unattended-to gap? 3.35 is important. 3.34.82 is a gap. That's a good spot. Inside the numbers members, will be discussing that spot in the morning if we're waking up red. Now... If we wake up and they're trading below that spot, look out below. That kind of stuff is handled in real time for Inside the Numbers members. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Any change from yesterday? Is this doing anything different than it was doing yesterday? Absolutely not. They're basically eating time off the clock, letting the 20-period moving average or home base work its way up toward price Price may be working slightly down toward home base. That's it. That's all that's happening. We're not going to make a federal case out of what's going on in the IWM. We'll move it along. The folks down at the Transportation Department, same routine. They're a little bit farther away from home base, but what are they doing? They're making a bullish, flaggish kind of formation. However, being that they're far extended from home base... The awareness is that if the S&P is getting hit for argument's sake on Thursday or beyond, then it will likely be that the transports will coming down toward home base at the same time. Across all these markets, especially on the daily chart, remember, the trend is your friend until it's not. A down day doesn't break the trend. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley? Anything going on here? Again, down one half of 1%. This thing's in the stratosphere, on a continual grind higher. It's in an uptrend, extended from home base, so it's down one day, no big deal. Maybe it goes down tomorrow as well. That doesn't mean the trend is broken just yet. We'll tell you when it is. By the way, back to the SPY daily chart, we should note that we did get an increase or a pickup in volume On the down day. We've been talking about volume on the grind higher. Volume is light, light, light. The path of least resistance in light volume is typically to the upside or sideways. But the awareness is always this. When volume is light, they're essentially lulling everybody into false sense of security. The volume is light, but on the flip side, when something happens and a flood of volume, and a flood could mean just an increase in volume on average... If a flood of volume comes into the market suddenly, it doesn't matter whether it's on the buy side or the south side or the sell side, you're going to get larger moves than a bread box because you're running on light volume. So a spike in volume is going to accentuate the point gulp. It's almost like there's a vacuum created and therefore when price gets moving, whether it's a vacuum up or a vacuum down, it kind of gets going in a hurry. And the phony Fed minutes were a perfect excuse to take just a little bit of air out of the balloon. So back to the queues, and we talk about volume, we had the same pickup in volume, but we were still below the 90-day average volume. So what this tells me is, there's no institutional participation to a big degree, no institutional conviction. They weren't just dumping the market, dumping the queues. That's not what this chart is saying just yet. Doesn't mean they can't come down a couple of more days, but there's no teetering on the brink of collapse going on right here. Not just yet, anyway. What about the financials? The financials were flat. They were up like the transports, and then they sold off toward the end of the day with everything else, finished not at, but near the lows, still holding the 20-period moving average. So is there really any dire situation here for the financials? And the answer is no. Even below the 20 period moving average, you have this breakup candle low. And we talked about the number last night or the night before of 2415. Close the day below 2415 may be some trouble on hand. However, that general area around 24, 24 and above is really the last or most recent breakout area. So are the financials failing or are they recocking the gun? Why don't you put that in your pipe and smoke it? Maybe these days, I should say, maybe you should put that in your bong and smoke it. About Smashmouth. Now, they were down 1.2% today, a couple of bucks. That's a bit of a eyebrow razor a little bit. Still above the 20-period moving average. So technically, there's nothing wrong with the market. But what we do know is this. That the SMH, which is the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index... That's pretty much a pretty good indicator of the tech space as a whole. So is a component of the tech space or the indicator for the tech space telling us there's trouble on the horizon? The indicators typically go first. That's why, and by definition, they are indicators. They're indicating something's coming. Now, you have to separate my indicators, and I use three primary indicators, maybe four. I like the IWM and the transports for the equity markets as a whole. I use the SMH. I use the financials. Those are my primary indicators to get the big picture of what's going on. We're not talking about stuff on your chart with lines and whatever else from Joe's indicator shop. You know, the stuff for $97, buy three, get one free. We're not talking about that stuff. We're talking about stuff from a big picture perspective that gives us a pretty good guideline on a regular basis. I like to call it the tried and true stuff. Now, remember before I said, I want to make a pretty interesting comparison. And then I talked about gold and the fact that it got hammered today or killed. So this is a chart of GLD. We don't have to use the futures for this. It doesn't really matter. Here's the point. I just want to go over a concept. So gold was on a melt up. So the S&P was on a melt-up. It is on a melt-up. It's still really melting up. We don't know whether it's cracked or not. Maybe today it has. Maybe it hasn't. We don't know yet. But it's basically on a melt-up. So it doesn't look the same. It's not like a uh, straight line-up scenario. Not quite a straight line. But GLD was at one point almost a straight line-up. And the point that I want to make, and we've done this for years and years from time to time depending on the market and what's going on, but you have to realize what was going on, what the feeling was, what was in the media at the time. Gold was going to keep going forever. And I'm not saying this is over. It's in a long-term breakout, but nothing goes one direction forever. There's pullbacks. There's corrections along the way. Everything recocks the gun, the whole nine yards. But... When you're at this point here, it never feels like it's going to crack. It never feels like it's going to come down. And then all of a sudden, next scene shows, you look back and say, oh yeah, that was stupid. Nothing ever goes forever. But it doesn't feel like it until you see a sign and or signal of a trend change. Now, the comparison is with the S&P 500. The chart looks different. It's not on a melt-up slash type of straight line up but it is somewhat of a melt-up scenario so maybe we have a blow-off top that is a possibility maybe we topped out today that is a possibility the point that I want to make is at some point in the future three weeks from now six weeks from now two days from now we don't know at some point in the future we're going to look back and say oh yeah it wasn't going to go up forever boy did they take some air out of that balloon that will happen It never feels like it until it does. Same thing on the flip side. When the market's going into an abyss and it's going down every day and the market's crashing, never feels like it's going to turn around until it does. I like this comparison too. So let's go over this one. The RSP is the equal weight S&P. So you've got a lower high scenario working. So this is why we're going to pay attention to this. You have a high And you have a lower high. Now, if this is representative of the S&P, why do you have a lower high? Because inside of the S&P, it's not as healthy as what it seems on the outside. Why is that? Because it's top heavy, meaning it's unweighted or it's unbalanced to some of the big tech names, for example, names we know. So when that happens, it gives a false sense of what's really going on. This is what's really going on in the S&P. You have a lower high. Doesn't mean the rally is over the current rally. Maybe it looks more like the IWM and the transports. Maybe it's just a pullback. Maybe it's not. But right now it's still in an uptrend and it's okay. Maybe there's another push higher. We don't know yet, but it's still a lower high scenario. Therefore, we're paying attention. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is absolutely true and absolutely accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.